Hi, this is Dr. Adrian. Welcome to Health Bite, the podcast where we explore all things health and wellness. Hi there, this is Dr. Adrian, and welcome to Health Bite, our podcast where we talk about all things health and wellness. Today, I'm really excited to introduce to you our next guest, Danielle Ryan Broida. Danielle is a herbalist, a holistic nutritionist, and an instructor of mycology, um, who is uh, deeply seeped in the knowing and understanding of uh, functional ingredients and Ayurvedic medicine. So welcome, Danielle. So glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be with you today. Oh, it's a pleasure. So um, before we get into some of this juicy stuff that I want to get into, um, I'm always curious how people kind of uh, initiated their, their personal path, professional path into kind of the health space. What was there a time or a situation that kind of brought you to this, to this journey? I love that question. It's a great question, and there isn't a straightforward answer. I think a lot of the times in the in the space of wellness and holistic nutrition or herbalism or kind of this back to nature model, um, there isn't a direct path. So it's very different than I want to be a doctor or I want to be you know an author and I want to be an actor and have this A to Z direction. Uh, for me, it was really following what showed up each step of the way. So throughout the past 10 years, I've had so many different short bouts and different things, whether it's teaching yoga and being a raw chef and a detox coach. And, um, you know, I lived in Asia for three years, studying back, living in in Hill Tribe Villages and studying Ayurvedic medicine and um, had a clinical practice. And everyone's like, what are you doing? You know, what's the end goal here? And uh, uh, it was every piece of it was such an important part of enabling me to land where I am today, which is, um, you know, a practice focused on educating and inspiring people about natural remedies and being able to remember that we have allies in the form of plants and fungi that are here to support so many things that we might be dealing with um, in a holistic and sustainable way. I I like that there is no endpoint, right? <laughs> because then we'd be done. And I would also invite us all to think about, you know, even as a physician, in which there was a very concrete path for my work and my quote endpoint. Um, I think when you are open to what comes, then it allows you to shift and pivot your focus in ways that become more and more meaningful. So even for us structured folk out there, there's, there's hope, (laughs) right? There's hope for evolution. So I love that. Um, So, yeah, so I'm interested. You mentioned your, your past in Ayurvedic medicine and your training in Ayurvedic medicine. So talk a little bit. Well, first of all, just, explain what the term is, you know, what is it and talk a little bit about how you quote practice Ayurvedic medicine. Sure. Yeah. So Ayurveda is the traditional um, kind of medicine, holistic wellness system based in India. And it's really, there's a couple aspects to it, but it's so much more than herbs and nutrition, but it's really a lifestyle. So it includes asana, right? Different um, movement practices, pranayama, different breathing practices, Um, And each part is 
relevant to creating a, a you know, true, true wellness and true vitality. And whether it's, you know, Ayurveda or other traditional systems of medicine, one of the foundations is that there's different body types. And so in Ayurveda, we call them doshas. Um, and that each one of us has all of them in us. And we're trying to get back to kind of our, our dosha. We're, we're kind of given a dosha when we're born. It's actually really fascinating. And so we have these three different body types. There's the vata, which is more of the air element and body type. This pitta, which is more fiery, which is what in our Western American culture, we all strive to be like really productive and go, go, go. Sure. Um, and then we have this kapha, which is this earth element, which is more of what everyone strives to be in India, right? Really grounded and calm and being able to sit in the cave and meditate all day. And we all have all three of these elements within us um, in different balances. And it's not as if we're trying to balance all three to be equal. It's how can we get back to our own natural dosha where we are functioning optimally. And so recognizing that no body is the same and therefore each protocol, whether it's through diet or lifestyle practices, supplements uh, will range based on who you are, where you're living, you know, the environment that you're in. I like that you highlight the point that the practice is not just the supplement that you take, right? Because that's really, again, maybe from our Western mindset, how we think about things like, oh, if we take this, it'll treat, you know, X will treat Y, for example. So take the supplement or herb in order to fix this or that. Whereas the practice really is um, a constellation of things that includes movement and nature you mentioned and you know maybe a meditation practice um when we talk about it makes me think of actually mediterranean diet because when we talk about the mediterranean diet first of all it's not a specific diet right it's a dietary pattern but if you look at like their quote food pyramid they have physical activity for example or movement as part of the pyramid and so it really shows us how we can see these different aspects of our lifestyle as nutrients. I mean, to the point that movement is a nutrient on the food pyramid. Um, I and I that. Right? And we would all benefit, I think, from taking a step back and recognizing that wellness um, does encompass all these different aspects, not just specifically the herbs or supplements we take or the food that we eat. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in my private practice, I would be working with someone and we could have their supplement protocol down and have all these great formulas with herbs and mushrooms and a great diet that really aligned with their body. But if they weren't taking care of, say, the emotional or spiritual body, we weren't seeing the progress that either of us wanted, right? And I would talk to friends that were psychotherapists and they're like, we're dealing, you know, we're making so much progress and we're healing all these wounds. And yet, my client is propped up on caffeine and they can't sleep at night and their body isn't allowing them to relax. They're in fight or flight. Like I can't make progress. And it was just this really profound um, understanding that it's not just one thing that's going to bring us to a state of optimal health. We have to take into account all of these different layers of our well-being, And work, right? Like I wish, 
I wish we could write a prescription for all of this, like a prescription for wellness, the way we write prescription for like, I don't know, extra strength Tylenol, but unfortunately (laughs) it takes work. But I think, um, you know, I think where we are right now, so we are kind of in month, I don't know, six of um, pandemic and some fashion of quarantine. Um, But I think what, coronavirus has really taught us is that lifestyle matters. Um, you know, the, the people who are primarily to this day affected or affected by severe disease with COVID are people who have lifestyle illnesses like diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, smoking. These are all things that in some fashion can be impacted by lifestyle. And so I think if we can take a silver lining from this circumstance, there are several out there. One is recognizing that these things do matter, right? Lifestyle really does matter. And I think Ayurvedic medicine really provides an opportunity, right? To think about our lifestyle and our health in a way that's more holistic. Absolutely. And that thinks about our well-being down the road as opposed to how can I feel better today or tomorrow or next week, but really looking at what can I do now to make sure that I don't get sick in six months or the next change of season or next year. And that's never been a sexy topic. And now for the first time in the world we're living in, I'm getting so many questions about what can I do now to make sure that I'm healthy later. And it's such a beautiful shift that we are really looking for ways to support long-term wellness. And it makes me so excited that we're ready for that type of approach to our health. You know, it is so ingrained in our culture and so ingrained in how we have always done things to be putting out fires rather than be preventive in our approach. And unfortunately, our healthcare system um, focuses on, you know, ICU stay, which is, of course, important, you know, to manage that. Um, but we're not incentivized as physicians nor as patients to focus on prevention. We're, we're incentivized to focus on putting out fires. But really in order to, I think, I believe, to really um, live a healthier to be a healthier society, we have to, we have to promote that shift that you speak of. Yes. And it's so much more empowering rather than feeling as if we're a victim and there's all this out to get us. When we think about preventative medicine, it's like we become a warrior when we strengthen our immune system and our stress response has been tampered and we're feeding our bodies the right nutrients to you know, wake up and feel productive and have our minds working optimally. I mean, it's so much more, um, we feel so much more in, in control and confident about our health. And it's, that's what I really am encouraging people in this wild year is how can we build ourselves up enough so that whether it's this virus or the next or the next or the next, we have a strong enough body and immune system to not be a host for, you know, that antigen. Yeah, and I, I like the, the way you shifted um, the conversation to something concrete, um, because I think a lot of times when we talk about these things like holistic medicine, wellness, 
what does that really even mean? And I think people kind of feel like this, it's an intangible thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's talk a little bit about immunity, right? And how some of these lifestyle things in real time can really impact our immunity. At the end of the day, we should still be, you know, wearing face masks, we should still be conscientious, we should still, I think, take advantage of Western medicine offerings like the influenza shot uh, or vaccine that's coming around, right? But it doesn't have to be either or. There are all of these natural um, remedies at our disposal that can help bolster our immunity. So give us like maybe your, I don't know, top five, top five um, lifestyle recs or guidance on how to bolster immunity. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for making that connection that we need both, right? It's not like Eastern medicine is everything in Western medicine. It's like, we just need to weave them both again um, so that we can take advantage of the incredible technologies and, and advancements we've had in medicine. And remember that there are holistic ways to, you know, build our system and be strong. And then when we do need to put out the fires, thank goodness we have um, the whole Western, you know, materia medica, but Okay, five things. This is really challenging because everybody is unique, right? That's the foundation of my practice. But I think what we both agree so much on is that gut health is really the root of holistic wellness, right? So if we're going to focus on one part of the body, I would have us focus on our digestion, right? This incredible microbiome where we now know 70% of our immune cells live. And I don't prescribe a specific diet for everyone, but it's really becoming more mindful and aware and slowing down enough to remember that everything we're feeding our body, we are feeding either the good or the bad, right? Who, which, which are you feeding good bacteria? Are you feeding bad bacteria? Um, and yeah, starting with really so many of us need help healing our guts. And uh, from that place, you know, there's so many symptoms that we often don't even associate with gut health. We're like, oh, I'm breaking out or I have this headache or I can't sleep. And so what I really want us to do is create practices that build our foundation so that solutions that we have these long-term health benefits rather than band-aid, you know, that suppress issues deeper and deeper. Um, And so starting with our gut health, and I think if I had to be like really concrete about things that we all could do, um, we're incorporating more plants and fungi into our diets, um, more like plant fungi forward. I definitely don't preach a vegan diet for, for everyone or at all, but um, bringing more um, organic seasonal foods into our day-to-day lives, um, making sure that we're getting vitamin D, whether that's through supplementation if we live at high altitudes and it's winter seasons and our bodies can't absorb it naturally or if we do live in places like California that we can absorb vitamin D throughout the year, going outside. Like- we actually, believe it or not, there was a study done in Southern California when vitamin deficiency, D deficiency became like a hot ticket topic, maybe 10, 15 years ago. And one, I think it was a Kaiser study showed that almost 80% of Southern Californians had vitamin D deficiency. So <laughs> we are not getting outside, even though we're in quote, sunny Um, California. But I just want to piggyback a little bit on on the gut health. um, Because again, I think people talk about the gut in very esoteric terms. um, But there are 
trillions of bacteria that live in our intestines, right? In our gut, actually a hundred trillion, which is like infathomable. And, and these bacteria are a source of immunity in our body. They are a protective force um, that help us by living in us. And we also know that what we eat um, affects the population. So there's different kinds of gut bacteria. And so when we are eating, and I'm not vegan myself, but I'm a huge proponent of plant-based light, which to me means you know mostly plants with, the, yes. with also good lean proteins. But when we eat that way and consume different vitamins and minerals and antioxidants from all those different colors and types and shapes and textures of plants, we are maintaining the healthy population of gut bacteria. And when we have more processed and refined, we are killing off the good stuff and we're promoting the, the bad bacteria. Um, and that imbalance can infect our, our immune system. And actually, our gut bacteria has been linked to everything from immunity, but to also metabolic disease and even depression. Absolutely. Mental health, skin health, immune health. There's so much. It's so all much there. Yeah. And yeah, I think, you know, we're totally aligned on, on um, food. And yet we also have to remember that diversity is key. So eating, you know, 20 to 30 different plants a week rather than I love arugula and onion. So I'm going to eat that every day. We know that our microbiome thrives when we feed it a wide range of fruits and vegetables and different foods. Right. Um, it's not all about the kale, right? It's like, not all about, the, all kale. about the kale. <laughs> so what's your second tip? <laughs> um, okay. Um, well, we kind of did two. We're like, okay, vitamin D getting outside. Yep. Um, and the first is really simple. It's that mindful slowing down enough to remember and recognize that what we're eating is feeding the good or the bad. Yeah. Nourishing um, us. Yeah. The three is, is probably obvious for me, but it's bringing functional mushrooms on board. I think this is one of the most overlooked category in the wellness world. And functional mushrooms are some of the oldest, safest natural medicines used um, in cultures across the world, anywhere from 6,000 to 12,000 years. You know, we have such a deep, rich history of humans and these mushrooms having um, a relationship, whether it's through food or medicine, and especially in this time, uh, what all of our functional mushrooms have in common is this ability to immunomodulate, right? This cruise control for our immune system. Um, so in my practice, I primarily work with autoimmune conditions, and I have a functional mushroom-based practice because they are one of the most effective tools for overactive immunity, underactive immunity, and really bringing that balance into into our immune system. So functional mushroom extracts every day right now. <laughs> and are there other functional ingredients that you uh, subscribe to or that you promote? What are some other ones that, that are important to you in your practice? So many. I work with hundreds of herbs and um, different plant-based medicines. And What's your fave right now? <laughs> People ask me this. I'm like, like choosing my favorite... Oh, my favorite child, but, um, okay. My favorite plant based medicine is the question. My favorite yeah. herb. Mm. I think in this very moment, it could change throughout the day. Um, I'm going to say Tulsi or Holy mm. Basil. Holy Basil. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 
I think. Um, Tell us know, a little bit about that. Yeah, basils uh, are in the mint family, and um, they are such an overlooked, you know, primarily I try to focus on Western herbs, like the functional mushrooms are an exception, but there's so much medicine in our backyard in the West. And a lot of times what's growing near us is what our bodies need. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the, the whole Lemiaceae, the whole mint family has so much to offer and is so abundant. You know, it's one of the things that most of us probably have in our spice drawer or possibly seen as a weed growing in our yard. Um, and whether it's, you know, respiratory support or digestive support with Tulsi or holy basil, it's um, known as a wisdom herb. So this mind, body, spirit herb. So how we talk about doing practices to kind of target each of those layers, this herb is also um, known as, as kind of tapping into each one, the mind, body, spiritual realm. Um, and I've spent a lot of time, yeah, in India and Tulsi is, it's amazing. No home is thought to be complete unless they have a Tulsi uh, on their altar. So it's like that sacred that it's there. Yeah. I love thinking about food uh, as something sacred, you know, because it really is. If we could shift the way we think about food and the way we eat to something that is like venerable and feeding ourselves is really an opportunity to nourish ourselves. I think it's a game changer in, in how we eat. Um, yes. And the point of eating uh, what's growing near you, you know, we talked earlier about Mediterranean diet um, or, you know, Middle Eastern diet, which is, you know, my, my personal background. We use a lot of um, turmeric and um, herbs and spices. And while, I, I am in favor of using supplements. We have a great turmeric powder when you can't get it through food. I'm also a huge believer of using these, these foods that are, that are prevalent and readily available in our food. And so the Mediterranean diet, for example, or the Middle Eastern diet, we try and tease out like, what is that star ingredient that's like saving the world or has saved that, that, um, ethnicity or what have you, that region. And you can't, you know, because when I think of one of the stews that Persian stews that, you know, I like to cook for my family, it has fenugreek and it has mint and it has, you know, parsley and it, you know, in addition to turmeric and saffron and all these other things. And so really making use of those herbs uh, is a wellness practice. So I, I, I like that, but I don't want to skip over your number two. Um, and I want to just briefly bring that up because the the vitamin D and the bigger uh, the bigger thing, which is nature being out, is actually an immune booster. Yeah. And and we know that being not only being in sunlight gives you vitamin D, which vitamin D does enhance immunity. And there have been some studies that have come out. They're not you know, they're, they're new, they're preliminary that show that people who have higher levels of vitamin D are actually getting less severe coronavirus. So I'm not recommending people to, you know, go have mega doses of vitamin D because it can be toxic and then walk around without a mask. Right. But, but it can be a, an adjunct, especially if you're deficient, you should check that and you should augment, but just the sunlight independent of the vitamin D link enhances immunity. So as does being in nature, 
right? There, there is a clinical benefit there. Absolutely. Yeah. We, I was thinking earlier, you know, we talk about like aromatherapy and all these benefits of having our diffuser. And then you think about going outside and being with the plants or under a tree. It's like, I'm sitting under a pine tree right now, which releases, you know, these terpenes, these essential oils, which is like every time we're walking outside in nature or in this bath of, um, you know, different aromatherapy benefits. And uh, it, it's so simple that we almost forget. And now we're like, okay, where's the science to back up these things that intuitively we've been doing for years and that we know makes us feel good. It's funny you should say that because I, I try and go on a run every morning and the favorite, my favorite part of my run is running behind a country club where there's all these e eucalyptus plants. And this, it takes me back to a specific time in medical school. Um, and so I love that smell of eucalyptus. And for some reason on today's run, I noticed after the eucalyptus, this area where there, there was a lot of lavender that I run the same route and I had never noticed before. And in thinking about like, oh, wow, I had never noticed the lavender. Then I entered a residential area where the shrubs were smelling peppery to me. <laughs> and I was getting so much joy from all these different smells. And this is a route that I have been running almost every morning for years that I, I overlooked, you know, but there is such a value in that natural aromatherapy. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And when you feel good, you know, that's, it's like our inner compass pointing us towards, okay, this feels good. Let me keep doing this and keep smelling this and keep taking this run. Um, versus when we're so not aligned with who we are, it doesn't feel good. And we know, okay, wrong direction. Um, and so, it, yeah, I think we make it so complicated or esoteric of, and it, it can be so simple of like remembering what makes you feel good, being outside, getting sunlight on your skin. Like there, there can be very tangible ways to start improving our immune health and our overall wellness without, you know, being overwhelmed. And I always talk about meeting the client where they're at. It's like, you can tell someone to do all these things and take 10,000 IUs of vitamin D. And I mean, it's like, okay, if they're not going to do that, if it's totally foreign, like where, what makes sense for you? Let's start with something so simple, like slowing down, um, to, and just that little shift, you'll know when you're ready for the next step and the next yes, step. But. That's perfect. That's perfect. And actually that is something that I always say to my patients. Uh, again, a lot of times my patients are coming to me for weight loss and they have these lofty goals. We all wish that we could be like Christy Brinkley. Um, but can we just meet ourselves where we're at? You know, like you may not be where you want to be, um, but just let's meet yourself where you're at. And that's, that's the only place to start. Right. And actually, scientifically speaking, uh, when people don't have acceptance for where they are at or inability to meet themselves where they, they are at, they're more likely to sabotage and less likely to engage in lifestyle behavior. So even though it sounds like kumbaya, meet yourself where you're at, there's science behind it that that's the only way to get to where you want to be. Right. Yep. That's the only way to make change. That's so we got three. Right. All right. Now you've got you got to reel it in because I can see your, your brain is working and there's so many, many more things you want to share, but you've got only two more left. <laughs> okay. And this is like how we can just elevate our overall. Well, yeah, I mean, the conversation was really immune health. 
uh, how do you, you boost your immune health? Yeah. So these practices. Okay. So we have like slowing down this mindfulness. We have vitamin D, we have functional mushrooms daily. Um, the fourth is supporting our stress response. Um, this is like, again, some of these are so obvious, but when we are in a state of stress, when we're in fight or flight and survival mode, it's like the other parts of our body go on airplane mode. You know, we are not getting proper signals of if we're tired, if we're hungry, like we are in it to survive. And so, um, again, it's like what, what ways work for you to support your stress? I think if I were to choose a a supplement, it would be magnesium. You know, most Americans are deficient in magnesium. And, um, even if we eat foods that traditionally had abundant magnesium in it, it's often no longer present in our soil. So we're not getting it dietarily. Um, and you know, always believing, yeah, how can we get what we need through our food first and supplementation second? Uh, but whether it's through Epsom salt baths, I've been taking Epsom salt baths every night, um, or through, um, you know, it could be through breath work, it could be through taking a magnesium supplement, um, it could be through adaptogens like ashwagandha, but what works for you that you know allows you to get out of that state of fight or flight so that we tamper down our stress response, remind us like we're okay, we don't need to um, be in this state of survival mode so that the rest of our bodies can begin to um, kind of reawaken and start working, working optimally again. Yeah, I absolutely love ashwagandha. And um, while it is, you know, big in Ayurvedic medicine and in Western medicine, we aren't allowed or, you know, we can't make claims when things aren't fully vetted through the FDA. There is data that um, shows um, in a double blind fashion, you know, double blind uh, randomized control trials, that it can really help support uh, stable mood and lessen anxiety and all of that. So I do love ashwagandha. Um, and I like the magnesium tip uh, via the vehicle of Epsom salt baths. I mean, can I, when I think about like, MOM versus Epsom salt baths. I think I prefer the latter. So I like that tip. And so, okay. And then what would be your, your last one? So my last one is called vitalist practices, which is this belief that we have a life force, you know, in every traditional system of medicine, whether it's chi or prana, like we have this vitality and it wants to move and flow. And a lot of times there's uh, obstacles that are blocking that, you know, whether that's a food sensitivity or something that's, you know, a trigger or habit that, you know, isn't good for you, but you do anyway. And so I actually just gave a, a webinar on this. You can find on YouTube, but it's about how to awaken this, this inner vitality. Um, one of my favorite ways to do that is through hydrotherapy. So using water, like when I wake up in the morning, splashing my face with cold water, if you live near the ocean or a stream, getting in cold water until you feel that vital response. Um, there's, you know, if you, if you don't, you can put cold water in the bottom of your shower and just walk around on it for a few minutes until you kind of feel that energy coming up. Uh, but it's, it's really, it's like, don't believe me, just try them. Um, but I have had more profound experiences with vitalist practices than even with, you know, supplementation and herbs and dietary changes and have seen that so much. It's like, let's awaken, um, this, this inner force, this light, this fire, 
uh, and and you know it really does have have equal if not more weight in in my mind and heart than some of our um, some of our herbs and and mushrooms and dietary protocols. You know, my my husband has been trying to get me to take these like freezing showers. And I'm so resistant, you know, like I used to love that when I was young, jumping in freezing cold pools. And now it's just the thought of it, it, it like it's torture. But as you mentioned, this being your, your fit, your one of your most profound, I think you said practices, I may have to reconsider. And meet yourself where you're at. So you can take a really warm shower and then start, you know, for 10 seconds at the end, make it lukewarm. You know, then maybe do that for a week. The next week, you can make it a little bit colder and your body will start to crave it. But don't, if it sounds really horrible and you're already like, ah, I don't want to do that, don't do it yet. You know? you know, I tell you where I'm at is that we had to change the temperature gauge on our home because I was setting this shower so hot that it was like scalding the next individual. So meeting myself where I'm at, uh, maybe lukewarm, maybe the destination for now. That might not be the, the next step, but I'm going to try it. So I really appreciate this conversation, Danielle, and your um, wholehearted approach to immunity and wellness. Um, and I know that you are practicing what you preach because you mentioned that you are in New Mexico right now finding some time and space. So I hope you enjoy yourself there. Thank and um, I look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, yeah. likewise. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.